Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, Special Operations Military News, and Straight Talk with the Guys in the Community. Hey, what's going on? This is Rad with another edition of Soft Rep Radio, and I am coming to you by my snuggly fireplace, and I've got two awesome guests on the line. I've got J.J. Wilson and James Boyd, former military, transitioned from military to civilian life, now entrepreneurs, business owners, and we're going to talk about them and find out more about what they did in the military and how they're transitioning and see if they're hiring. All right, so James and J.J., welcome to Soft Rep Radio. Thanks for having us, Rad. Okay, let's play choosies, just like school. I'm going to be the teacher. Now, J.J. Wilson, how did you meet James Boyd? <laughs> That's kind of a funny story, actually. So we met first couple of days of in processing for basic training down at Fort Bidding in Georgia. I think I'd gotten there a day or two ahead of James, probably. Right, and This is the part of basic training where they give you the haircut and all the immunizations, and you get some boots and other stuff, and you know, I I just come from Ithaca, New York. Where I, I finished up undergrad, kind of a different world, right? And been there for a couple of days. James showed up. Some guys I'd gotten to know came and found me. They're like, "Hey, you know, there's this new guy here. He kind of talks funny. We think he's from Australia. Like, already went to college, brought books with him. Do you know it? Like, there was a reading club for the guys who who'd already gone to college. So I didn't know him. Hunted him down, introduced myself. I think he thought I was trying to pick a fight with him trying to make a buddy and we've been close since so is that how you recall it james is that the way it went down you know i think there's some parallels but there's also some divergences in the story and this is just life right like everyone's got their own perspective on on everything and i i'd had a very similar kind of experience i've been in at stanford for university palo alto california which is just this lovely place and palm trees and green hills and that sort of thing 
And then September 2005, it's down at Fort Benning in Georgia for infantry boot camp, which is a, a little bit of a different vibe. And, you know, my only exposure to this world had been seeing like the Vietnam War movies. You know, it's all the kind of full metal jacket and all that sort of stuff that we'd seen. And I get down there. I've been there a day. Everyone's a maggot for some reason. Everyone's yelling at me. This is not like college at all. And uh, you go out. It's like 8 o'clock at night. You go out. It's under the, the orange fluorescent floodlights. And there's this dude with a shaved head, like skinhead. I'm like, I don't think I've met many skinheads before. And he comes up to me. He goes, I heard you went to Stanford. And uh, he's got this thick, thick Tennessee accent, which I just butcher. And I apologize to everyone from Tennessee, but it's just, it was very intimidating at the time. And uh, there's a lot of like posturing and that sort of thing going on. And I'm like, oh, I have to fight this guy. I have to assert dominance or he's going to beat me up in the middle of the night. And he's like, <laughs> my name's JJ. I went to Cornell. And then we've been buddies since. So you guys both enlisted with your degrees. You guys decided to go in and just enlist. Did you... You're not officers, are you? I have so many smart ass comments that I can say, but I'm, I'm told this is the internet. So no, 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 we, we work for a living. Yeah, no, that's just crazy because, you know, a lot of folks say, I'm going to go to college and some parents are trying to tell their kids, hey, go to college, then enlist by being an officer and get commissioned, you know, but you guys went to Stanford and Cornell. You have your heads on your shoulders. You're going through school, you know, and that's the first thing that I that picked up on JJ is you said, well, I was an undergrad and I'm enlisted and I'm going through basic training at Fort Benning, right? Most of that's for us that are like, we're just, you just true believer, huh? <laughs> no. So like, I mean, I grew up, as we've mentioned, kind of backwards Tennessee. It was very much the kind of place where like, if you wanted to get out of town, you know, pretty, pretty common options were like going to, going to jail or joining the military, right? And I was really fortunate to go. Yep to this fancy college obviously 9-11 happened pretty early on and you know like most folks i didn't necessarily understand it at the time right but i understood that it would be a defining event for folks of our generation and like man how, how am i ever going to go back home and have a beer with my buds right if i have not participated in this thing in some meaningful way just because i got to go to college right and like with the, the enlisted thing there were a handful of different options I thought about the Army, and I think they're still doing it. I had this 18 X-ray option, which was still pretty new at the time, right? And it basically guaranteed you a chance to go try out for Army Special Forces. So instead of waiting a couple of years as an officer, like I didn't think I was super concerned about the chain of command, right? It's like, if I'm going to do a thing, I want to be the best in the world at it, right? And wasn't a very good swimmer. <laughs> so like Navy SEAL type stuff was like probably off the table, pretty early on. And I was like, man, you know, if I'm going to do this thing, then I want to go be one of the best in the world in this particular role. So it was like, man, you know, I, I don't need to be an officer. I just, I want to do cool stuff and, and actually make an impact. And so with the anti X-ray thing, it's like, go try out, right? And if you make it great, be a Green Beret. And if not, then just like, uh, go like guard a wall in some far-flung part of the world. Yeah. We fortunately both made it through. Yeah, no, that's so you went through selections. So you went through the 18 x-ray. I've got a friend that went 18 x-ray and he got pretty far. And then it was like, you know, roll back. And then he went like uh, 82nd Airborne, right? Because need of the army yep. at that point. So you, yep. you made it all the way through your 18 x-ray contract and enlistment and all the way through right on the timetable that you plotted in your life. So this is a success story for someone listening that may want to go 18 x-ray that it is achievable, right? Yeah, it can be done. <laughs> How old were you when you enlisted? 21, 22? 
And I had, because I had like a year off in college kind of to travel. So I think I was like going on 23. I turned 23, I yes. think, at basic training down at Fort Benning. Right, right. So a little bit of some maturity already in you versus like a 17-year-old 18 x-ray going in at 18. And then he gets in and he's walking through the basic training going like, I'm going to be a Green Beret. You know, those types of mentalities probably have a little more chutzpah to get through it because you've already been through probably like some homesickness attitudes in college, uh, probably, you know, relationships. You've been probably yelled at before. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it helps. It helped for sure, right? Like, we, we definitely had, we were the old guys, right, relative to a lot of the 17 and 18-year-old folks who had shown up. But, like, I mean, the x-ray program, especially back then, at times would get a little bit of a bad rap. But there's some guys who came into the Army by that avenue, um, tons of which James and I are both still close with, who, you know, sit and made it through, right, and have gone on to do really amazing things mm-hmm. in the civilian world, and I you know, one of the questions I always get is like, why didn't you, you stay in, right? And I think that's one of the things, you know, Army's still trying to figure out a little bit. But, man, like, no regrets. Right. Like, it, it, it was an unbelievable experience. That's kind of part of the transition of the why did I get out? Why am I not still in? People hitting you up with that, being like, well, why did I get out? You're making me, like, second-guess myself. Should I have stayed in? I'm trying to adapt to civilian life with war college under your belt. You're really just extreme athletes. Now, James, did you two, did you also go through the same 18 X-ray canopy program, and that's how you guys met under the hollow orange lights? <laughs> yeah, ex- exact same thing. I had a... Uh... I'd grown up in England, and so you're very close to World War One and World War Two. And like I, I remember yeah. my high school, there was just this big, long memorial wall. And so when 9-11 happened, I, I had the same reaction that JJ did, which is that, hey, like I'm of able body and able mind, and I got to do my part. And, and I met this guy who was doing his PhD at Stanford at the time, and he told me about the x-ray program. And I was like, this sounds like a real way to contribute, and this sounds like a real way to learn about the way the world actually works. And so I think... Um, but that's what took me there. And, and I, I think I turned 23 the first day of boot camp right there with okay. JJ. And uh, we went through all the training together. And, you know, there's luck that separates people that make it through and people that don't make it through. Because, you know, it's like a, it's a bad landing on a parachute jump or it's falling in a hole at night and twisting an ankle or something like that. There's luck. Sure. But it really teaches you a lot about kind of self-management. It's managing your emotions. It's being able to have a long-term vision but then stay focused on the short-term tasks that you're trying to execute. And I think that it was just such a phenomenal experience to learn about people, learn about the way the world works, learn about yourself a lot too. It's, I, I would recommend that for anyone that's really trying to understand their own character, what they want in the world, and really to be able to contribute and give back. It's just the team environment is phenomenal. You are just with human beings that want to win all the time. And I love that. Like that's a, it's an indescribable feeling. I guess maybe this is what pro athletes actually experience, you know, when they're, they're trying is. to win the Super Bowl or something like that. But it's just like, it's that competitiveness. And you may not be able to run a 40-yard dash like anyone else or anything like that because you got some body armor on and stuff like that. But it's people that just want to win all the time. But that's just, it's, you know, people throw around the word vibe, like that's the vibe. You want to be in a competitive environment where right. people want to win. They want to do it for the right reasons, right? Like it's protecting people. It's protecting people in different lands. It's actually stepping up and saying like, hey, we can do this. We can help make the world safer for you. 
Yeah, like global shepherds. I, I have to just put it that way. You know, it's, uh, there's enough people being these sheeps and wolf dogs and sheep dogs fighting each other. I'm just like, why don't you be the shepherd with a cane, man, and bash them all on the noggin and say, sit down. You know, it's like, just stop coming after women for wearing their head wraps wrong or even having to wear them at all. Stop oppressing people for, you know, who they want to love or believe in and, uh, just, you know, let freedom of choice kind of reign supreme is what I have to say. My dad was a Green Beret. I've just been raised in a family's culture of like, Aaron, you can have freedom of choice to choose to go to church, but you have to be 15 to do it. Up until then, I had to go to church. Dad's like, well, you can make your decision now. You're old enough. And, you know, you're going to, he believed in running a business with me and my ideas as a young man. So the freedom of choice is a huge thing from the SF community, special forces, uh, not just Green Berets with the Dale Presso Lieber, which is to free the oppressed mantra. But, you know, SEALs and even your basic infantry or prescription pharmacist wants to see people with freedom, you know. And so it's a whole team and we just want to win. And you hit it right on the on the money. So whether that pharmacist is giving that SF guy some Motrin to stop his shin splints that he's not talking about. OK, <laughs> so he can go do that. Right. OK, because I've seen the tuning fork on dude's shin splints and they cry. OK, Absolutely. And they're like, just don't tell nobody. But they're like, you're already here. You looking at Radel. You're in sick call. You guys are looking at each other. You're already here. And he's just, the dude's legs are tapered. You guys are physically extreme athletes. And then all of a sudden, one guy I was talking to, he uh, was going through the pararescue training course in the Air Force, which is very intense. I can only imagine. And he had had a swing from one porch to another on a rope. And his hands just slicked off the rope and he fell back and he broke his back. And he had to walk to the bus and get on the bus, walk to sit call until he figured out he had broke his back, right? Yeah. It wasn't his choice to say, I'm out. He didn't say, I'm out. His brain was there, but his body was broken. We heard that all the time. Oh, your mind is good, but your body's jacked. God gave you a good mind, but your body's jacked. Well, that's where it gives us a direction. So if you're one of us and you had a direction of a U-turn from the military, you make the most of it. You know, people get in the military and they're like, what's your direction in life that you got? Uh, did you go straight? Did you go right? I was like, it gave me a U-turn. They said, go back, start mm -hmm. over and realize that you can help in another way, you know, or support the mission. One team. I love that mantra, uh, especially as a baseball player. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. 
I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of one team, you guys have gone through selections. You guys have gone through your military career. People are asking you why you didn't stay in. James is like, why didn't I stay in? And now you guys are still friends, right? Oh, That's best of friends. friends. <laughs> right. And you got deployments. Did you guys deploy together? Same group and everything, like third or 19th? What group? No. So I ended up. First Battalion, Tenth Group, over out of Stuttgart, Germany. A couple long trips to Afghanistan. Tons of training stuff over in Eastern Europe. Um, and then I, I actually I stuck around probably a little bit longer than James did. My specific job training in the Q course was a little bit uh, more extended. So I stuck around like 2013 before I got out. Oh yeah. And then James spent a bunch of his time, a bunch of his time in the PI and some other places. Yeah, it's actually what, oh, yeah. what ended up taking me out of the military because I was down in, in the Philippines and we were going after, like Bin Laden had rolled through there and done some staging in the area prior to the 9-11 attacks, some people doing some finance activities down there. And I found myself, I took off the Green Beret hat and I put on the software guy hat while I was on deployment and I'm writing code trying to get different systems to talk to each other to try and actually understand what's going on around me. And uh, I, I, I don't want to put this on a pedestal. This was bad code and this was bad technology, but I was just trying to build some tools. You know, this is just fashioning yeah. something so I can take data and bring it together. And these guys that said, hey, you should check out this company called Palantir because this is this company that brings defense information together. It makes, pe- makes so people can understand it. And I, I Googled it from down in the Philippines and I saw my friends from Stanford on the homepage. And I was like, oh, I know that. Brandon, like he was my computer science teacher. He's really, really good at programming. And these guys are building the kinds of tools that help people like me and like JJ do their job more effectively and more safely. And I was like, that's something I want to be a part of. That's awesome. So you're just trying to like, not really recreate the wheel, but you're trying to add like snow studs to it so that it can grip because it's already been created. So you're like, how do I make this better? Right? It's not recreate it. No, 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 no. Some duct tape, 100 mile an hour tape and paracord, and you can make some code. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was just this realization is like, we all did, we did good stuff on teams, right? And man, that was a good thing I did. And then I realized that, hey, I can go and work at a software company, we can build products that helps all the Green Berets and all the infantry guys out there and all the EOD guys out there do their jobs more effectively and more safely and like literally find bombs before they go off and stuff like that. I was like, this is really cool because we're helping people that we care about stay safe and frankly, like defeat terrorists in some places. And so that's sort of what started this journey is, you know, you think about the same kind of call to service that took JJ and I to Fort Benning, Georgia in 2005. It was like, we want to go and make a difference. And then it was like, okay, this is another way to make a difference. And this is even more impactful as a way of making a difference. And that's just been the arc of the journey. And that's why we ended up starting Aviton. It's like, hey, like we can make even more of a difference this way. Yeah, now, now that's a great segue into Adaton right there. You know, I wanted to bring it up. It's a company that you guys helped to find or own together. And, you know, it's to help military members communicate during block leave, which is happening right now. It's the holiday seasons here and around the world. And people will be taking off to go spend time for, 
you know, the Thanksgiving and the Christmas time and, and that's called block leaf. All right. Am I hitting that correct? Yeah. So this entire, James and I are actually alumni of holiday block leaf down at Fort Benning, Georgia. Oh, what? 17 years ago at this point, the software tool you're mentioning. So it's, it's more of a uh, kind of general purpose structured communication tool where like we basically said, Hey, you know, what if like the morning formation and this notion of like the military orders giving process, right? Like the digital knife hand, like what would that look like on a mobile device? How do, how do we do that digitally? Right. And so one of the places where that's like when COVID happened, like everybody had to go home, like there were no more knife hands. We couldn't stand in formation. Right. So it's like, how do we recreate that peculiarly military workflow digitally, right, in in, in a remote world. And so, like, one of the places where we've supported a couple of large-scale exercises with the software has been the block leave exercise that basic training units in the Army do every year, where, like, a brigade-sized element will take, like, 3,000 soldiers, just like James and I were, except they're the 17-, 18-year-old kid, right, who's never been on an airplane before. This is the farthest they've ever been from home. They don't know how to deal with, like, travel delays and all the rest of it layer into that, right, like all of the COVID stuff. And it's a gargantuan logistical undertaking for these Army units to send everybody home for two or three weeks at the holidays and then get them all back safely, right? And so in that case, what we're able to provide with Muster is this kind of very simple, very user-friendly interface by which drill sergeants, senior leaders, chaplains, behavioral health folks throughout the sort of rear detachment at the unit, have a way to reach out in a very structured way, right, and and kind of keep positive comms with folks. Like, hey, are you okay? Did you make it home okay? Is your break going the way you thought your break would go? Have you had any kind of travel issues? Do you have any kind of sickness that we should like? Whatever it is, right? And almost always, 99% of folks are fine, right? But what we're really worried about is like bubbling up that 1% of folks. Like 99% oh. are like, yes, yeah, like leave me alone. With my family, it's the holidays, right? But there are a couple of dozen who are like, eh, you know what? Like, call me, right? Like, somebody, sorry, I, I need to chat. This is not going the way I thought it would. I need to chat with somebody. And so if we can get unit leadership or somebody from the chaplain's office or somebody from behavioral health just to, like, reach out, it's like, hey, what's up? How's your break going? What can we talk about, right? Makes an inordinate level of difference in the overall experience these soldiers have and the Army's ability to bring them back to training safely, and get them out into the forest doing the jobs they signed up to do. Well, that sounds like a good system to keep communication with your troops and with your personnel within your organization, even if it's just not the military. There's other huge organizations that could use that same type of, you know, uh, structure within itself, whether they are working on offshore drilling rigs and they got to keep in contact with all of their crews on all these different crazy isolated platforms, if you will, right? Or uh, whether you are just going home from Fort Benning to block leave to go visit the family. And maybe you're just don't have a family to go visit and you're out of the gates and they're like, just go do something. And you just, you know, the family is your military that you joined, you know, the drill sergeant yells at you more than any dad ever did. So it's yeah. like, you know, they could reach out that 1% might just be like, Hey, you know, I just want to come back or yeah, let, what's going on. Yeah. I, I find that to be a very, you know, a solace peace of mind application. And especially in today's day and age of technology, you're not going to get away from it. So we might as well just incorporate it and appreciate it. And just like the internet, right? Let's go back to when, you know, Al Gore said he created the internet when it was really DARPA who created this military project to keep track of all of their personnel from the battlefield. 
That's exactly, and now we have it tactical to practical. So I can only imagine what you're deciding on, which is we were SF guys. We've seen people go on block leave. We've got friends that needed to be checked on or whatever the case is. And this application has now been created, you know, for that extra peace of mind for the employer. Is that what you would think for the whole? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of like a force multiplier in terms of like efficiency Mm -hmm. and communication throughout a military organization. And as you mentioned, there are obvious analogs in the non-military world. And if we kind of step back and think big picture vision, a lot of what we're building with this company is like, you know, if you're a desk worker, right, you have like Microsoft Office where you have some like PowerPoint and Excel and Outlook to do like slides and math and send messages, right? Like there's a set of things to make your world go. But like, if you work outside, right, on the beaches or in the mountains or in airplane hangars or whatever else, right, like there is not an analogous set of tools by which you can make your world go, right? So, like, we build that starting with this notion of, like, accountability and structured messaging, like what we're talking about with muster and the holiday block leave use case, right? But think about all of the things that hang off of that, right, whether it's, like, scheduling a range day in the army or scheduling like a physical fitness test in the Navy or like managing property book stuff, which is like, these are my NVGs and this is my rifle. And this is the last time it was like all of the stuff that kind of hangs off of that, which like across most of DOD and for like, we still do a lot of things like little green notebooks and whiteboards. Right. And like the the, the stuff that I carry around in my cargo pockets. when. That's still how we get right. all No, the done, whiteboard. Right? I remember my dad's office. My dad would have like three so, years planned, you know, on a whiteboard, right? dude. I'd sit there as a little rad, not yep. even knowing. Now I know the whiteboard is so, like, you still have one, huh? <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty blank right now. We've been doing some math with my eldest son. Like, all of this persists, right, in spite of the fact that, like, everybody yeah. is carrying right. around a super powerful computer in their, in their pockets, right, with which we can do a lot of this stuff. Right. Yeah, it's a supercomputer. Anything that was ever in the 80s or 90s is blown away by this phone in my pocket. Like, uh, you know, you could conduct your business from wherever if it's sustainable. You know, like literally, I get it. There are some coal miners that have to dig coal. You can't quite do that. Well, you probably will with robots and virtual apps and, uh, you know, artificial intelligence will be going in those caves and digging out the coal if we need it, you know, things like that. So, Geez, who knows? With guys like you and brains uh, that you guys have instilled in you from Cornell and from Stanford, I mean, this ain't no just like little throwing a dart at the board here. There's some brain power, okay? And it can't just James, be you guys have James a team, has, right? There's how many? Uh, yeah, tell me. James has the brains. I bring I bring the work. That's generally been the dynamic. That's, I think. Same. <laughs> I, you know, he he says that, but we both took the army is the, the GT test the GT score, and you beat me by one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beat him by one. It's, uh, He's like, yeah. I, I bring He's that like, yeah, up. I <laughs> yeah. You bring that up every single time we pitch an investor. <laughs> yeah, one point. He's smarter than me, and you're like, no, one point. And investor's like, totally here's my investment. Yeah. Right. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let me ask you something aside from all of this, you know, space that you spent on, what do you guys do just for a moment, just to take a break from the, the, the work and the monotony and the thought process? What is it that you do to escape the thoughts of the past and the stress of today? You know, uh, let's start with James. Cause you know, I'd like to hear what, what you're decompressing. Like, is it snowboarding? Are you reading? What is that? Oh man. I mean, I, I love reading, but I think for me, it's movement. I just love being outside. I love moving around. It's something about just the perception and the feeling and, and balance and stuff like that. So like the, the gym is definitely my temple because you just, you feel things every single day and you concentrate on stuff. But then uh, I'm lucky enough to live next to 20,000 acres of open space preserve. And so when I need to get away, I can hop on my mountain bike and I can be lost in the hills. And it's just that, that same movement, right? It's like tires sliding around on rocks. It's like duck, dodging cactuses out here in Arizona. It's just sort of being present inside that. And I just, I soak up so much sensory stimulation from, from movement, from sunlight, from the breeze, from the smells. And I think that's a, like candidly, that's a, a thing that's a little difficult working at a desk now because we're so used to not working in desk environments. And so you're used to this very, very rich sensory experience. And now it's like uh, we're sitting here I've got a window, but it's not quite the same. So for me, that's right. always uh, my escape. And gosh, like I got a, a motorcycle and I got a mountain bike, like things with two wheels balancing. And uh, I know like as a snowboarder, I'm sure that same feeling, right? When you're carving and you're sliding and you're feeling it, right. it's the same thing with, with rubber on, on gravel. Yeah, it's uh, my mind is probably drifting, but still conscious at the same time. And so all the things in my head are still there. But at that moment, it's just like, you know, it's it's just subsided and, and I'm just gravitating to this ex- awesome, I don't know how to explain the feeling of just being free, right? And just like the wind in my hair, okay? That's what I'm looking for, whether it's rolling down the window in the car and just getting a little bit on my hair, on my whiskers, or in the snow, riding and getting a full snow beard. Just like, I look forward to ice in my beard. I'm like, I want more. <laughs> and uh, at the same time on the lift though, I'm still kind of contemplating business mindset, you know, and uh, I got to get a podcast lined up and I'm going to talk to some people. What are we going to talk about? And I'm getting off the lift. <laughs> you know, it's like, here we go. And, and so I completely agree with that. What are you doing to uh, decompress from pitching investors, trying to keep sane people asking you, why are you out of the military? What are you going to do with yourself, kid? 
I end up chasing kids quite a lot. So I have three boy and two girls who are 13, 10, and eight, right? And they're all probably about as active as James is, right? With like the baseball and softball and gymnastics and tumbling and trampoline and football. My son's taking up wrestling this fall, which has actually been kind of fun, right? So it's just like investing the time in helping them to get better, to enjoy more what it is they've set out to do is actually like really rewarding for me, right? And like help them figure out, just like be be their biggest fan, right? And like help them figure out how to do things like deal with failure, right? And figure out some of the self-management, time management stuff James was talking about earlier. And it was kind of the coolest thing, right? It's like, seeing light bulbs go on it's like oh like i i can i understand how like hard work relates to good outcomes right and like i understand that good things happen when i do the things that i'm supposed to do like i enjoy like building that competitive spirit across each of us probably comes much more naturally for them than it did even for me james was talking about earlier was like i wanting to win right and like you guys were talking about this kind of vibe thing like you know, ice in the beard and, and like mind drifting on the lift. And there's this kind of flow state, right, that's associated with unplugging a little bit, right, and doing things that kind of let your mind sort of, I don't know, detach a bit. And I think a lot of my way of doing that is just like investing and hanging out with, with my little ones. Yeah, and just get interested in them and just being like, hey, what are you guys into? Like, let me get into that and let me help support that. You want to be a wrestler? Let me show you how to put it into somebody. You want to hit a baseball? Let me let me toss it with you to see if you got it down. No, I love that. And that's that can also be that same thing. And I feel like a little bit of my dad from you. I just want you to know that, okay? And uh, he would do that same thing. I feel that he invested 100% into me and my brothers to you know, believe in us and uh, feel like, oh, Aaron wants a skateboard shop at 13 years old. Let's get him a skateboard shop, figure that out. But he made me earn it and like respect it and uh, appreciate the fact that the power that he paid for powered the refrigerator that I sold his Diet Cokes on the front door to the moms next door. He's like, how much did you sell those Diet Cokes for? I was like, two for a dollar. He's like, well, you know that there's there's electricity that goes to the fridge. And I was like, oh, yeah. you're going to charge me rent, <laughs> dad? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm trying to get a skateboard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Selling your groceries <laughs> out front <laughs> for cheaper. <laughs> Isn't that how a kid's supposed to get a job? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. so the entrepreneur spirit just always fostered. He also had a degree from uh, like uh, yeah, University of Pacific and uh, he finished off. He was going on his doctorate. And so before he passed, but he still just instilled that belief in, you know, the youth, he believes that today's, you know, youth are, are the future, right? And he just wanted to see that success. And I feel that from you. I just do. I want you to know that. So, and I love the conversation. Uh, with Addington now, you guys feel uh, this has been successful and you're seeing growth. Is this something that's uh, trending right now in your lives and you're stoked? It's amazing. Like seeing the, gosh, like we think back a couple of years ago, it, JJ, it wasn't that long ago that you and I were sitting on the floor of a Best Western south of Houston, Texas, like outside of Angleton, Texas. And JJ's eating beef jerky, and I'm writing code on the floor of the Best Western, and that's where it started. And, and you know, sometimes this is kind of like, I don't know, you're on a long road march, and you're like, man, is this road march ever going to end, right? It time sort of slows down in the moment, but then you look back, and you're like, man, like that was only 
what, three and a half years ago, maybe at that point. And so now it's, we got, we got some amazing conversations going on with, with folks in, in the air force and in the army and in the Navy right now. And we've got thousands of folks using our software and units all over the country and across all the different branches. And the kind of stuff that, that we care about is like, yeah, we're talking about being able to issue orders more efficiently, being able to pull data and make decisions more effectively and stuff like that. And, and like, this is, this is just it's the baby steps, right? And in, in changing the way business happens and making it better for individual users. And we've got a fantastic team of folks, both veterans on the team, and we've got uh, some fantastic folks just from pure technology sector on the team that are making this happen. And and what we see is this this little journey, you know, it starts with a little seed and then it keeps growing, right? Like to think about like, Hey, it's like, it goes from selling diet Cokes on the, the front lawn to, yeah. to an, an entire company. Right. And like educating people it's about products a- and that sort of thing. And it's just, it's a journey and it feels slow at times, but then you look back and like, Oh, actually that was quite a bit that happened. And I think for, for us, you know, we think about like kind of the sweat equity that goes into this stuff. Yeah. And like, there's an emotional toll as, as an entrepreneur. Right. And, but then you see the impact, like even just talking about the HBL use case, like there, there've been over a hundred service members with PTSD and mental health issues who raised their hand using muster when somebody reached out to them and said, yeah, I need somebody to talk to. Yeah. And so for us to be able to see that and, uh, you know, the folks that really, really need help able to get that help. And then the leadership teams come back to us and say like, Hey, yeah, I get that. This is a, this is a mobile application that helps us do digital knife hand. It helps us get data and all that sort of stuff. But it also, it gives us power as leaders to really lead and to be able to reach out across our entire organization, change the culture inside it to really have, like, we talk about an open door policy in a lot of places. Like it, they really get an open door policy because people tell them things. We had one unit commander say, one of his service members came up to him and said, Hey, tell me about the aliens. And it's like, okay, well, if the, the junior most person in the organization is comfortable enough to talk to the boss of the organization and ask about the aliens, you know, that you actually have a real open door policy uh, yeah. that's been implemented. And so like for, for us seeing, seeing Mustard's impact in these units, like, man, like that's why we do this stuff. And so like, that's why we go from writing code on the floor of the best Western to thousands of users, like some, some amazing, amazing things we're doing right now with, with folks inside the Air Force and the National Guard. That's some really exciting possibilities to grow from that. You keep saying the word muster, right? And in the military, it's muster for mm-hmm. ready, get ready. Everybody pile in underneath like someplace or outside in the rain. Muster, muster, get all in line up. That's I'm trying to break that down for someone who may not know muster, right? And so your acronym is like M-U-S-T-R. Is that what it is for the app? Is this something that Right, muster is that is that your license yeah, right now? <laughs> oh man, uh, that should be. That's a great one. That's a there great one. I think one of the guys on the the team, his daughter, she she was just impersonating him because all he does all day long is talk about muster, and she's like, "This is Pearl." And she's like, "Muster, muster, 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 muster." That's the only conversation that happens in this house. That sounds about oh, yeah. right. Get her a license plate. Muster is M U S T R. That's five letters. You can do it. Better do it now before someone hears this. <laughs> I know. I think I'm up for a new one. Yeah, you can have what. Now, are you in Tennessee and are you in Arizona? You're in Arizona, but are you still in Tennessee? No, I'm in Texas. So I had, like I said, talked about before, I got out of the Army in like 2013. And then I went to grad school up north. And all my wife's family is from Kansas and mine, obviously, from Tennessee. So, like, 
the Dallas area was kind of the best we could do in terms of a geography compromise. And so when I finished okay. up grad school, we moved down here and been, been in Texas ever since. There's, there's a pretty proud tradition of like Tennessee sending its people west to, to Texas for one reason or another. So here I am. Sounds like you might need muster in that family, you know, just to talk to each other. If you're trying to figure out right. geographical locations, I, you should probably use muster to just keep in contact with each other. You should I just say, you could run your Christmas list. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. Yeah, and, and so with muster though, as a business owner myself, with like you know a small staff of about twenty employees, if you will, they've all dedicated themselves to the to the company. So it should be expected for me to be able to reach out to them like a little bit of a leash to say, hey, we are staff, we are a team. As the captain of the team, I need this done in this type of manner. So being in the military is really, you are on a a little bit of a leash, a lot of a leash when it comes to working in that environment. And your bosses need to kind of know where you're at so they can have accountability, right? Because no one wants to know if you're missing for any bad reason. They just want to know where you're at. You don't want to be AWOL, absent without leave, and then have to deal with all these articles and all these reprimands and, uh, you know, jail time and discharge. So you kind of want to just, as a person in charge of these units and these groups, you it, it seems like it's a pretty easy thing to want to adopt. I'm not paid by you guys to, to promote this, and you're yeah. not giving me any money, right? No, no, I'm just saying no, no. it makes sense. And if it makes sense... it's And the beautiful thing is that it's, it's something we saw... You talk about that kind of like that leash, that ability to control and interact is like, this is the chain of command, right? Like this is a mm-hmm. thing and this is what you, you sign up for it the day you enlist. But the other flip side is that this is like, it's almost like a contract. And what I mean by that is we had this unit that got back from the Middle East and they had to send all their personnel into quarantine. And they're like, hey, you guys, the, the normal thing would stick them in the barracks for two weeks at the end of a deployment. And the commander's like, hey, I got this ability to reach out and, and interact with you. I'm going to send you all home to your families instead. You get an extra two weeks at home with your families. You can quarantine at home and I can check in on you every single day. And so there's this like kind of contract. It's like, yeah, it gives a bit more control to the commander. But what that means is the commander can assume a little bit more risk, which gives a little bit more freedom to the actual personnel. And so that's this like really, really nice, nice interaction. Right. So it's not just it's not just a knife hand, but it's like a handshake. Well, it's actually a nice, I hate to say a bosom to lay on, but, you know, uh, there's nothing like getting healed by your family when you are ill or, you know, having that extra time to be around that creature comfort of some chicken soup because it's just not in a training environment, right? They're like, all right, well, if you have to quarantine, go home. We'll talk to you daily and make sure you're alive and that, you know, through the app, through like a secure channel. So it's just not blasted out there. And that's what you guys help provide. I think that's awesome. Right. And so it just goes again, like Tang was used on the space shuttle. And then in my school lunches, it's like the Capri Sun. It's like, you know, just the Internet. The things that we take for granted comes from a military application to a practical application. Yeah, you guys are just leading the way. There's nothing wrong with being in the forefront of trying to, you know, be a part of the Internet when she's not even 30 years old yet. And this is the wild thing is that a lot of this was traditionally, you know, the DOD is leading the way. The DOD is leading the way. What we're actually saying is like, hey, a lot of stuff that we're doing as consumers, a lot of stuff we do in the private sector is actually kind of leading the way on some of this stuff. And so yeah. this is where we're saying, hey, we got a responsibility as Americans to actually bring this from the private sector, these kinds of technologies that you don't get to do this without the cloud. You don't get to do this without like a lot of the the tooling and the infrastructure that's been built up 
to support business to business and stuff like that. And we're saying like, let's actually take that and let's use this to actually build our platform to deliver this to people in the military. And so I think there's this sort of role reversal that's taking place where we're trying to bring this innovation that's coming from the private sector and then mm-hmm. deliver that packaged in a way where people can understand it and use it, where it solves their daily problems in the military. And that's something that I think is, it's a new trend because so much of the past was always the DODs leading the way on stuff. And now it's it's a little bit of the other way in some places. Well, yeah, and uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a helpful tool, right? So if it can help the mission, you know, then why would it not just, well, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to jinx it because, you know, <laughs> I understand the government contract sector is very, very interesting with its ways. So I just hope and expect the best out of you guys uh, with your, your movement, you know, and uh, I don't know what anyone else expects from you, but I expect the best. Okay. That's what I expect. And I just want you to know my expectations. That's it. And, and I know you got America, first and foremost, and, and your global veterans that are allied with us, uh, first and foremost, and, you know, the business leaders who come from those environments that become the use of tomorrow who are out of the military can see this application used in their regular business environment as well. Uh, if it's needed, right? Boy, what a great, a great tool, you know, and from two dudes who have been in the environment that need to know that it works the most. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, being a Green Beret, both of you guys, you're both airborne. Now, within the Green Beret culture, there is still a higher echelon of Green Beret, okay? You've got, it's like just getting to the Green Beret is one thing, right? And then you've got combat certified scuba. And then you've got like Halo on top of that. And then you've got, is there anything else that I'm missing other than like, you know, what are the other certs within the SF community? Sniper, is that one? Yeah. So I, the Marine Corps likes to joke with Army folks who call us Boy Scouts because we have like badges and what my son calls flair for all of our uniform stuff. But um, yeah, man, I, it was a bit of a surprise. I think it was something I started to figure out during the Q course, right? But like 
throughout trading, there's all there's like this S curve of like proficiency where it's like, ah, if I can just like get through infantry school, then I'll be a cool guy. If I can just get through airborne school, then I'll be a cool guy. If I can just finish the Q course, then I'll be a cool guy, right? What they don't tell you is like there's always somebody cooler, right? Like there's always <laughs> another course, another badge, another skill set, right? Out there for you to go get. It's like somebody's always cooler for sure. But I think James and I were both on free fall teams and did some other specialized stuff that was a lot of fun. Did you ever have a, um, you know, a, a, an airborne mishap, any type of like a close call free falling, like a weapon catch or anything? No, I never did. I, and I ended up with, I mean, eh, for the time I was in, was pretty active jumping and got a chance to go to like the free fall JM course and then an advanced course that they were doing out at Yuma in those days. Probably like the the worst jump incident I had. We were doing high altitude, high opening out at Yuma and like you, you hop and pop, right? We were, I don't know where we were pulling. just like right off the ramp. I don't know what jump altitude it was. Probably like 12, 5, 13 or something. But I got off-headed, right? So, like, you're meant to be under canopy for, I don't know, like 45 minutes. Depends on a long time. And so, like, I got off-heading and was, like, tracking generally toward Mexico. It ended up landing, like, I don't know, <laughs> half a mile away from the rest of my stick. Uh, the Border Patrol was going to have to come. Yeah, it was like dark, right? And like I was kind of turned the wrong way after opening, and I thought I was following everybody else. And at some point, it's like I, I don't know where they all went. And then I found them, couldn't catch them. It was kind of a mess. But uh, the border patrol did not pick me up. They came and and found me, and everything was okay. But it was it was a little embarrassing. Yeah, they have the high altitude, hey, uh, high high opening, hey ho, and then the halo. Out there in, in Arizona, I, I do know. I was going to ask, and you said Yuma, and I was like, okay, yeah, you went through that whole. I just the things I know in my head, it's a, it's incredible. But yeah, that's awesome, dude. I'm so stoked to talk about that. And then what about what about you, James? What did you or uh, you know what what did you what did you? I'm I'm intrigued to think about which story JJ chose to tell about about parachuting because there is another one. Uh, but uh, there's a lot. He's chewing uh, his lip. That. He's like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I guess uh, I was in Thailand and we were doing a jump master training. And so it was uh, actually, this was like just static line. So it was like, you're just like one person that jumps out the side of a plane. And so I'm like hanging out the side of a C-130, like looking for like the little lights on the ground. It was nighttime and uh, there wasn't any moon out. So it's just dark. I, I see my, my dots and it's kind of like a bus stop. And I'm like, Oh, this is my stop. And I jump out the plane. And, uh, and then like my parachute deploys. And then I, I go to like, take control of it. And there's like all this, just like 550 cord and string just coming out in my hands. I'm like, Oh, oh. like, huh, like, this is definitely supposed to be part of this. And so then you go into like your emergency oh. procedures. Like this is like, you're not thinking you're like, Oh, like got a whole bunch of string. I don't need that string. And so they're like, all right, well, the first thing you do is, uh, you look up and you count your suspension lines and I look up and it's nighttime and there's no moon and I can't see anything. I'm like, well, that's off. And then they're like, compare your rate of ascent to other jumpers. So I look around and I'm like the only dude in the sky because I was the only guy on the jump uh, pass. So I'm like, all right, not that. And so then it's like, all right, deploy your reserve. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna deploy the reserve. And this must have been like 500 feet at this point or something like that. Yeah. So fortunately, the reserve comes out and like uh, I kind of like land in the middle of this this like swamp. And I hear one of the medics running over. He's like, dude, you got to get out of there. There's just like heat vipers and snakes all over that place. So I was like packing my stuff up and run out of it. And then the parachute rigger 
uh, he comes over and he looks at this and he just looks at the parachute and the missing pieces of string. He's like, huh, I thought we got all of those. <laughs> and that was just the deal. Like, that's just the deal. And I think this is like where it comes down to, you just try to think back to what you need to know and you just do your job at the time. And, uh, you know, you don't think about consequences. You just think about doing the right thing at the moment. And I think that's, that's what we learned. And, it comes back to, to that and, and everything in life. So you can think about the good things that can happen. You can think about the bad things that can happen, or you can think about just doing your job. Uh, like we just try to done. do our job and know our job You're all like, the time. Yeah. Vipers. I don't care. I'm trying to live and land and, yeah. uh, you know, get, <laughs> why do I have string in my hand? You know, it's like, I thought you got all those, bro. Like, <laughs> bro. <laughs> now <laughs> it was, it was a brand new, it was kind of experimental parachute. So that was, I guess, okay. uh, hopefully that was the last one. Stop, dude. Oh, full stop, bro. Oh, my gosh. Now, did you jump out of a hot air balloon while you were over there with the tie? Did you ever get to do that experience? No, this was this was all like uh, C-130s because we were doing jumping with them. We did some skydiving with them. And they were just cool people. And it was something that I really appreciated seeing. Is you got people from around the world that just want to protect other people. You get to be part of this big yeah. club that just tries to protect other people. I was going to say Behind me over on my mantle, I have my dad's tie jump wings that he got where uh, he did. The ones with the elephants? Yeah, dude. And he's got this big red cord with this long gold. I'll tell you what. Mm -hmm. If you want to stop people at a Veterans Affair thing for Veterans Day in your uniform, wear that red with gold tassel and big old elephant thing on and people come up to you. Hey, Plus, he had a beret. I didn't quite put the two together, you know, as a young kid walking around with dad, you know, but... Every five minutes, like, hey, how you doing? Can we talk? Every two minutes, it's like, let's get out of here, he'd say. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> it's like, all right, dad, no problem. No, I love that. So thanks for going over to Thailand and uh, doing your job over there. He was always involved in that Operation Cobra Gold, which is like a annual mm-hmm. style training environment. And again, with the 19th group, that was his theater of operation was the whole Pacific, that whole island, the Philippines. So when you say the Philippines and Thailand, I'm like, flashback in for my dad <laughs> that's awesome it was well, a, it was an amazing experience right and we're, yeah. we're grateful for do it you, do you guys have instagram or anything that somebody could follow and uh learn more about mm-hmm. you or hit you up if they're interested in uh, maybe sharing that they can code yeah so a, a google of either the company name adyton We'll bring them to us. There are, um, well, there's an Insta page, a Twitter account, or two, LinkedIn, like alternatively just Google Muster, M-U-S-T-E-R. I think we managed to say it probably like, they're going to think this is like a paid advertisement or something. A lot of times we, we managed to fit no. But um, yeah, like <laughs> Google Muster, you can see more, uh, especially like, about the company, like we are always like actively looking for veterans who are looking to figure out the transition and kind of find a way to contribute, especially in, in kind of a high tech world. But yeah, give us, give us a Google and there are links that way to all the social media profiles where folks can kind of stay up to date in terms of what we're doing with different military units around the country. Uh, perfect. And James, do you have any uh, thing to add to that? I would say this is just, you know, for us, this is our mission, right? And so we always want to talk with other folks who, who resonate with this, right? If it's folks who are, in the service, like, hey, like, I just want to talk about ideas to make things better in my unit, my chain of command. We'll share what we've learned from other units um, and whether they want to use our software or not. Like, that's inconsequential, right? Like, we're just trying to make it better. 
That's awesome. And again, I think that if you're looking for somebody that can help you throw down some code and, uh, you know, and you're a veteran out there, you can reach out to these guys uh, at Additon and see if your resume meets up with whatever they may be looking for. They're going to probably understand you coming from the military. Uh, You're looking at three veterans on this screen right now that have transitioned into entrepreneur lives. Okay. And you can reach out to me and jog my brain at Rad Rockin on Instagram. And uh, I don't mind reaching out to you. If you just want to talk and you don't have muster and you want to reach out, feel free to say hi to me. I talk to everybody. I try to. If you got something to say, say it. So, you know, you're not alone. We're out here. I know you can do 22 push-ups a day or you try. And I don't know what much that does, except mentally you're trying to do something. But reaching out to your neighbor or your friend can really go a long way. And having something like muster or just reaching out through a DM and saying, hey, Rad, you don't know me, but I listen to your show. Can you talk me out of stupid decisions? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Give me a try. Right? Yeah. Simple. So uh, we keep doing say, push-ups. To- <laughs> keep doing push-ups. And we always say, if you know somebody who might be having a hard time, just reach out, say hi. That's it. That's right. Especially around the holidays. We all need someone that can care. And, uh, you know, on behalf of myself and Team Additon here with James and JJ, it's been a pleasure to have you gentlemen. I've had you for about an hour of our time. And I just want to say thanks again to my listener of Soft Rep and Soft Rep Radio. And happy holidays to you. And stay frosty. Peace. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.